Welcome to the Binge Breakers Podcast. I'm Jacqueline. I am here to teach you how I overcame bulimia and my binge eating disorder, and how you can too. Through simple steps of mind management, repairing your relationship with yourself, understanding your habits, and intuitive eating. Disclaimer. This recording is not intended to be utilized as medical advice or a medical diagnosis. If you think you're in need of medical attention or treatment, please seek it immediately. This recording will also contain sensitive subjects such as binging and purging, weight and depression. Please listen at your own discretion and do what you think is best for you. Kind of jump into it right away. The reason I wanted to bring you on is because, first of all, I love that your title is Girlfriend Coach. And I, I know that I'm sure you probably work with people that are married and have been in long-term mm. relationships. Girlfriend just kind of implies a little bit more casual. And it just, I think a lot of people are in that range and sometimes they don't want to go to a relationship coach that just works with people that are married or something. Cause I feel like they maybe aren't at that stage yet. And I've had, you know, a boyfriend for eight years. So I feel like he is just my partner, even though we're not married. It's like, this is a long-term thing. So obviously girlfriend can mean a lot of things, but I just love that. And it just doesn't seem so serious, but the problems you talk about also are very, I relate to them a lot. I remember, and I can hear my clients talking about a lot of the problems that you discuss. So can you tell me, first of all, what got you started? Like, why did you become a girlfriend coach. I'm sure there's a story there. Yeah, of course. And like for most people, I was a grumpy girlfriend before I became a grumpy girlfriend coach. Mm -hmm. And basically it started when I met my boyfriend. We've been together for eight years this year. And I was 21 when we met and I had never been in a relationship before. So I was just kind of like trying to figure stuff out. And I yeah, it was, a, it was a struggle because I had never been through anything like it before. I had never like shared my life with someone or felt all the feelings or had all the jealousy because before we met, I was like, oh, I'm super independent and super confident and I have no problems at all. And then it all came crashing down. So the first like five years or let's say the first maybe three years of the relationship I was just like getting worse and worse and worse and worse and struggling and struggling with jealousy, insecurity, anger, all of that kind of stuff. And then I started trying to figure out a solution. Like I partially wanted an explanation. Like, why am I this way? What is wrong with me? Can someone diagnose me with something that explains why I am this way? And I also tried to find a solution to it. So I went to therapy, went on and off birth control all the advice says just you need to work on your self-esteem just love yourself and everything will be wonderful um i had a bunch of tests done i checked my thyroid i was like come on please be my thyroid like can something please just explain this um crazy to wish for a medical condition because at least exactly tangible condition you can fix yeah maybe take some medication and you'll be fine like that would have been lovely but that everything just came back normal. All the psychiatric evaluations, all the other stuff, it was just like normal, normal, you're healthy, everything is fine. Uh, No birth control made any difference, sadly. And it just kept going. Like I just could not figure out how to deal with it. And then eventually I found coaching and especially like the life coach school and Brooks work. And within two or three months, everything changed. Like my entire life changed my entire relationship changed and I managed to solve 
these problems that I had on my own and whatever I didn't manage to solve in that time frame, I knew how to solve. I knew how to start fixing it. I understood why I was feeling this way. Turns out it's because I have a human brain, not because I'm sick. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so that's when I kind of figured out, okay, I there is a way of solving this. It's not that complicated. It actually works. I then decided to get certified. And towards the end of certification, I was like, okay, what do I want to work with? So I kind of dabbled in some different categories of people to work with and nothing really felt exciting or right. And then I just asked myself, like, what area of my life has been helped the most by coaching? And that was a super Mm. simple question to answer because it was my relationship. And then I was like, okay, I think... I think there are other grumpy girlfriends out there who who need my help because it really oh, helped yes. me. So, so that's yeah, I can, that's how I ended up here. Yeah, thank you. No, I can relate to when I joined the Self Coaching Scholars Program, the Life Coach School. My relationship took a drastic increase in, um, and I think that what tell me if you find this true that one of the main things that helped me was taking responsibility for my shit and my drama in the relationships or in the relationship and not necessarily putting my drama on them meaning like whatever was going on with them I was making it mean a million different things about me and just like keeping our brains separate really helped me take responsibility for Mm -hmm. what I needed and not trying to get those things from him Mm. I was kind of dabbling in both I was very aware that I'm the problem I was the problem my partner isn't doing anything wrong He's not like flirting with other girls. He's not treating me like trash. He's like, he's doing everything right. And he's doing everything he can to like, to help me, like whatever I need to just be happy, he'll do it, but nothing worked. So I knew like, it's, I'm the problem. It's my brain. That's the problem. I really want to fix it. But in the day-to-day kind of activities, I still took it out on him and still like got mad at him and still like, I was in emotional childhood blaming him for a lot of things, but in the bigger picture, I was like, no, I am the problem. (laughs) I know I'm the problem. And I know that whatever solution there is to this, it doesn't involve him. It doesn't involve him going to couples therapy together so that he can learn how to fix things. Like it, it wasn't his thing. So I kind of, I knew that. So that's why when I found Brooke's work and she was like, you can fix this on your own. I was like, oh my God, this is what I've been looking for mm-hmm. the whole time. Yeah. Well, it takes it into your own hand and you get to do things about it instead mm-hmm. of like looking for someone else to solve it. Or again, putting all the pressure on your partner to solve those things. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, uh, like, what's the, mo- the most typical issue you see grumpy girlfriend struggling with? Well, there, there are a lot of things, like most of my clients struggle with the same kind of category of problems, but usually it has to do with having a lot of feelings that we don't understand. Like intellectually, we know better. We know our partners aren't doing X, Y, Z. We know everything, intellectually, everything is fine why am I feeling so awful? And then when I feel so awful, I act like a terrible person. Like I treat them poorly. I withdraw. I'm passive aggressive. I'm grumpy. I'm mad all the time. I punish them when they do things like that kind of stuff. So they have this, they've acknowledged their behavior and they don't like it. 
-hmm. And they also have acknowledged, I'm feeling a bunch of things that intellectually don't make sense. What's going on? And that's where we kind of start tying the loose ends together and show that, okay, where are these feelings coming from? They're not coming from reality. They never do. Even if things are kind of shady, our feelings don't come from reality. So showing them that, okay, it makes sense that you are feeling this way because look at what your brain is doing. Look at what you're thinking. And then it makes sense that you're acting this way because look at how you're feeling. If we just like validate your brain and then validate your feelings, your actions are totally reasonable. Now, if we look at it intellectually, we can say, okay, I don't really like this. I don't want to continue this pattern. I want to change it. We can do that. But first we need to like really understand this all makes sense on a primitive level. Everything you're Mm -hmm. doing, logic. It's just not your kind of like human logic. (laughs) Yeah, when they, I think the hardest part is when you're upset and angry and then it makes no sense. It becomes incredibly frustrating mm. and you just want to lash out at yourself, blame yourself and your partner. And they're just like, I don't know what's going on. It's confusing. And it's like, mm. I think of um, animals when they are cornered or like confused as a situation, they get like really aggressive because they don't know what's going on. It's scary. Mm. So I, I like that you said, like, first of all, kind of validating what your brain is doing and making sense of the whole thing. And for those of you guys listening really quickly that don't know, um, Katrina and I both come from the same school of thought where it's like your thoughts literally create your emotions, which then create um, your actions in life. So what she's referring to is a lot of times we think it's the situation that's making things crazy for us, but the feelings that you're experiencing, even though it is like there's a circumstance that may be upsetting to you, A lot of times it's your thoughts about those circumstances that are the most upsetting thing that's causing that amount of friction and emotion. Mm. And that activates the flow of energy in your body that is designed to make you take appropriate action if the story you're telling is true. But that's Mm -hmm. the problem. Like usually the story we're telling isn't objectively true and therefore the emotional reaction and our actual reaction where we take action when we feel that way it becomes kind of like it doesn't make sense when we look at it that way but if we look at it through what's going on inside of us based on the story we're telling that feeling that activates in our bodies our actions make total sense Mm -hmm. so that's uh, that's just good to know no you're not crazy like it does Mm -hmm. the the line is the lines are drawn here and here and here so what do you do? Like, what do you do for people when they they know what's kind of creating it and they know like their thinking is not very helpful in the relationship. And yet like a common issue that I always, that bothered me a lot in my relationship. And then I see other people doing it too is um, household chores. And I find what for good or for worse, I still find a lot of women take on a lot more of the household chores in relationships. Myself, I can fall into that trap. And so then part they'll, they'll get mad and be like, he's making me do this. He's like, uh, he's being lazy, all these sorts of things. And it's really like, he just didn't do the dishes or something. So how do you navigate that sort of problem with people? There are different ways to tackle it. And usually I want to like, look at it from all different perspectives. And mm-hmm. one part of that is that just because your partner doesn't do it doesn't mean you have to like that's a good place to start (laughs) like I remember when someone told me that I was like 
not the same thing, but I, I, I literally came to a pause crying and I was like, it's the dishes. And, <laughs> and they're like, you don't have to do them just because he isn't doing, you don't have to do them either. And, and she was like, why are you doing them? Because mm-hmm. I want to, right? It's the, yeah. anyway, keep on going. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I show my clients is that you want the dishes done because you want them done. Mm-hmm. And if your partner doesn't do them, if you want them done, you're free to do them. But this whole like martyr thing where we're like, oh, and then I have to do them. And oh, it's like, well, if you were single, who would you be blaming? Like, who would you then right. be grumpy at? It's like, you would do them because you want them done. And it's also very common to think that, well, my standards are correct and my partner's standards are wrong. My partner owes it to me to have the same standards as me. Otherwise, it's unfair. But like, you could easily lower your standards if you wanted to and not have to do the dishes. Like, I'm sure if your partner lived alone, they would figure it out somehow. It might be messy and gross, but they would figure it out. So being like, you, you can like hold on to your righteous kind of like, it should be 50-50 and this is how it should be. And I, I deserve this and my partner has to, which is going to cause a lot of friction, a lot of pain, a lot of suffering, and it's going to exhaust you. Or you can just accept that if I want a higher standard than my partner, I can either change my partner or change my attitude about making sure my home has the standard I want. I just mm-hmm. don't see any other reasonable option you can be mad at your partner and tell them to change but I'm sure your partner wants you to do things you don't really feel like doing all the time and in those cases you want your partner to lower their standard instead of you living up to theirs right I'm sure honestly when it's like specifically the dish example your partner just wishes you didn't care also at that point because clearly they don't care and they wish that you Mm. could just like let it go until mm. the, either they got around to it or you got around to it. But yeah, what you said there that was really powerful about it being like you, you have certain expectations that they're not meeting. It's not necessarily, I mean, it, they could not be doing it because they think it's your job. And then maybe you should have a conversation with them. And then if they don't want to change or something like that, then you have to decide whether or not, like you said, you switch your partner or change his expectations or do something else. But it isn't necessarily that you're forced or you're the smarter. It is because you want to do them and whatnot, mm, yeah. which is, I think it's a hard pill to swallow. A lot of people, yeah, for why, sure. why do you think people want to play that kind of victim mode? Do you know why? Well, I'm sure there are different reasons, but generally speaking, it's what we are fed daily. Like mm. the, the version of female empowerment that we're in right now is about telling the man what they should do, telling our partners how they should be, what they should do, what they shouldn't do, how they should be, like telling other people, trying to control other people is seen as being empowered, as being strong and standing up for yourself and doing all the things. So if your partner does something you don't like, you better go tell him because then you're standing up for yourself like what in the world you're like holding your power in your hand and you're like tossing it at them and being like here you need to do xyz for me to be happy and be okay that's not power that's just like outsourcing all the things to other people and I think that's why I this was the hardest part for me to understand too 
like this was, but once it sunk in, once I understood it, it's also the thing that changed the most. Cause I was doing the cleaning. I was doing all the things, not all the things, but like, I was doing a lot of the stuff. I know what you mean. Yeah. And, and I was mad about it, which drained my energy. But then when I realized, oh, I don't have to do any of it. I realized I want to, I want to vacuum. Like, <laughs> it's not mm-hmm. like, it's not the end of the world that I actually want to vacuum. So I will just cutting out the part where you're resentful and mad about it and think that, well, if I vacuum, my partner should vacuum too. Like why you're vacuuming? Like, why should he vacuum too? And then of course it can, we can like go to the extremes. Like you're not a maid, but if you turn into a maid, you did that. Like you Mm. are doing that. It's not your partner doing that at you. You did that. So it's your job to not be a maid. But if you want to keep your house clean, you get to do that (laughs) if you want to. Yeah, or hire someone or get a different partner that wants to be your maid or something along those lines. And it's, of course, always okay to request like, hey, can you vacuum? Hey, can you take out the trash? Usually we don't want to do that because they should just know or they should just be willing to do it. And it's like, Jesus Christ, we can't win (laughs) while we do it this way. (laughs) Yeah, the the many times I've talked with my boyfriend about these things, because of course, like you, I think I had many arguments, many breakdowns about these things. And oftentimes he's like, well, why didn't you just ask me? And I I would gladly do that. I mean, and and then he's like, of course, I'm doing something. Like, hopefully you can wait a little bit, but I'll, I'll gladly do those things. And then my argument immediately was, you should know, you know, and like, how Mm. come I see these things and you don't, but Mm. that's just because different people have different priorities and clearly it's not a problem for them. I think we make it mean so much about us. We make it. And I mean, here's something I'll say. I think, first of all, people are going to get triggered by this episode, but then they're going to, it's going to help them (laughs) because I think when you first (laughs) tell someone like it's you, not them they get really upset. So for you guys out there listening, it's okay. Um, Mm. Secondly, though, oh man, I lost my train of thought. There's something about responsibility. I don't know. It's gone now. But anyway, I feel like people are probably going to be triggered. Um, Yeah. And I think it's just good to know that that is normal. And it's just because I'm offering a solution to something where you're white knuckling being right. Like it's very Mm -hmm. important. We just want to hold on to being right. And that's going to be the end of us. Like we are going to hold on to the sinking ship of it should be 50, 50 and we should split all the chores equally. And they should just know and read my mind and do all the things we're going to hold on to that until we drown. Like that's because yeah. we're so like convinced that that's the right way of doing it. And the question is, what do you want in your relationship? Do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? Because there's a quicker way to get to happiness and it's not white knuckling. Like it should all be fair and equal and all the things. That's really powerful. Like, do you want it to be 50 50 or do you want it to be happiness? I forget the exact mm. words you said, but that's so true. Mm. I mean, so often things in life, I know Brooks has the 50-50 with emotions. And I think, of course, there are certain periods of life where it's not 50-50. It's like 100% this, 100% that. I don't think anything is really equal or will ever be. There's probably always a counterbalance somewhere. And I think that's a hard thing to accept, especially in, I think, um, you know, female empowerment's great, obviously. But like Mm -hmm. you said, just trying to control others 
is not power. I mean, it is a type of power, but it's a power that yeah. I don't think you want. You know, you want power. It doesn't create everyone. intimacy and connection that we can know for sure. No. Yeah. Nobody likes being uh, controlled that way. <laughs> no. Yeah. We don't want to be controlled that way. So why expect your partner to be controlled that way? So what would you say um, are better ways to like, so people know the problem. They know, how do you begin to navigate maybe trying to think differently in your relationship or just evolve? I, with my clients that go through my program, thinking differently is step three. Mm. So I have this four-step process and you kind of have to learn all four basics and then start applying them kind of simultaneously. But step one is always learning how to feel your feelings. And I'm sure you talk about that a lot too, mm-hmm. because it is, it really is the key to a lot of things. If we start trying to think differently, it's just not going to stick at all. It's like, you're going to try to force your brain to think differently. And then your old thoughts are going to come up and then your old feelings come up and you're lost again, because you're, you're not capable of feeling. So we always start with paying attention to what you're feeling and being willing to have that feeling in your body without trying to make it go away or get relief from it. Because acting out and like taking action on how we feel is always like a way of getting relief. We think we might be feeling our feelings when we're like fighting or telling our partners what our needs are. And No, like we have this discomfort inside of us. And then to get relief from that discomfort, we need to go tell someone something or we need to go do right. something. So first, in order to get control over our behavior, we need to learn how to process our emotions without reacting to them and just like be a container for that discomfort and increase the capacity to be uncomfortable because when emotions are high, intelligence is low. We don't have access to our intelligent brain when our emotions are out of control. So that's step one. Step two that I teach is using your prefrontal cortex to plan ahead and kind of like anticipate, okay, what's going to happen? What usually happens? What do I usually struggle with? And then we just think about it. Okay, I'm going to feel my feeling in the moment, but when that gives me access to my intelligence, what do I want to do instead? Like, just think about what behavior do I want to have instead? How do I want to show up instead? And then when we come to the heat of the moment, it's time to follow through. And how do we follow through? We process the feeling and then we do the thing anyway. And then step three is about thinking about your thinking, learning how to identify these thought errors that pop up in your brain that urge you to act like a grumpy girlfriend, that urges you to take this behavior you don't want to take. So you pay attention to the thoughts that kind of urge on this old programming. And then we have to do the work to kind of start figuring out what thoughts do I want to believe instead? What do I want to think in this specific moment? What do I have to think in order to take the action that I want? And then we need to just practice, practice, practice. And the fourth basic that I teach is how to fail really well. Because usually Mm. we just want to sweep our failures under the rug and be like, I'll do better next time. Or like, oh, I'm terrible. I'm never going to be able to do better. Instead, I want to teach my clients how to suck all the wisdom out of a failure and then move on, like really learn from it so that next time you have more information about what your brain does. It was probably a thought error that you weren't aware of that popped up or you weren't willing to feel your feeling. 
Okay, good to know. Or your plan sucked, which is why it was really hard for you to follow through on it. And then we just mm -hmm. learn from that and do it better next time. And then we just practice. So that is kind of the process that I go through with my clients and the most important and the one that's the most counterintuitive and that most people want to skip is the feeling your feelings part. Yeah, because it's not super fun. And it seems, no. it doesn't seem useful when you first hear about it. It's like, no, feel my feelings, all. especially when you're feeling really crappy things. It's mm. like, why is this serving any purpose other than to make me feel like trash? But again, I'm working with a, a person right now who went through some ex pretty extreme trauma and um, something like sometimes we just spend whole sessions talking about it. She needs to process through that because otherwise it's not releasing and her brain just keeps going back to that place, back to that place, yeah. right? And no matter, you can like think all the useful things, but it's not mm. going to help. It's not going to help like what's going on in her body and the body still feels that. And so- mm. I kind of think like if you never process those emotions, it it's just going to stay with you <laughs> and that's going to cause, it could cause actual health issues. You know, we all know that stress can be really bad for the body. Um, but then also, I think we want to skip to those thought things because mm -hmm. it feels like it's taking action. It feels like it's useful, but um, I like that your, your step three, I think, as you said, is like focusing on what do I want? Mm -hmm. uh, maybe step two, I'm not sure. Yeah. But one of your steps is like, what do I want to do? What do I want to try? And then your, your fourth step was the failing thing, which I love because I can imagine, because I did it too, whenever you do mess up in your relationship, the self-loathing comes in. Yes. And, you, and shame, you just want to take it as an opportunity to be like, I am a horrible person. Look at me. I did this to my poor partner again. Mm. How could anyone love me? And then you never learn anything from that. And no. there's a reason for why you did what you did. You're just like, in those moments, you tell yourself, I know better, I know better, I know better. Next time I'll do better. But we have no idea, what does that even mean? What does it mean to do better? It's like getting in a car and just covering the whole windshield and being like, okay, I'm gonna drive to where I wanna go. And it's like, you have no idea where you're going. Like, you yeah. don't know what you want. And if we don't have a clear idea of what do I want instead, then how are we going to like make choices? Because choices need to be made ahead of time. In the heat of the moment, your primitive brain is so much faster than your prefrontal cortex. So if you haven't made any decisions ahead of time, you're not going to stand a chance. Like your programming is just going to start rolling and you'll just have to be like, okay, let's, let's go with it. <laughs> let's see where we end just up. Write it. Yeah, it's like a roller coaster. Yeah, something I help people with is because um, when they're having urges to binge and stuff like that, a lot of times those urges just sound like actual thoughts because they are. Mm. And it's helpful to actually write them down what your brain is going to say so that next time you can be more prepared for it and actually mm. recognize them. Because at first you don't ever recognize them because they sound like you. But then when you can call mm. them out, you can be like, oh, there's that thing I always do again. Do I want to do it again? Sometimes you do. But sometimes mm -hmm. you get better about it and navigate mm -hmm. it. And it sounds like it's kind of a similar approach with the grumpy yeah, girlfriends. Yeah, of course. Well. It's just that the grumpy girlfriends have urges to send a nasty text or go through their partner's phone <laughs> yeah. or like be passive aggressive or shut down and not answer them or something like that. It's the same yeah. concept. It's just urge to do something different because the threat in the situation is just different than the threat that your, your clients are experiencing.
Yeah. Well, I know that a lot of people will ask this or they'll be thinking this when they're listening to it. And I think maybe it comes from a place of like, just trying to get under your skin. But what would you, someone's probably listening to this and probably being like, oh, this is all great. But what if like the person's actually abusive or they are actually Mm -hmm. cheating or they're doing these horrible things? What would you say about that? I mean, that doesn't sound like a complete question to me. So if it was my client, I would have to ask more questions. Like, what are you thinking it means? Um, But ultimately, first of all, like the coaching that I do is with girlfriends in good relationships. Uh, Okay. But there are clients who come to me where in the beginning, it's like, oh, I'm the problem. I'm the problem. I'm the problem. My partner is lovely. And then as we work, we realize, okay, you're taking responsibility for your stuff, but your partner maybe isn't so lovely. (laughs) And we kind of Mm -hmm. realize that. And usually they end up leaving that partner towards the end of the program. But when it comes to my brain likes the extreme examples. So I, on my podcast, I use them a lot, like the cheating or like them doing something really, really bad. Mm -hmm. Okay. Then what, then what do we do? The, the way of kind of, um, how should I kind of summarize it so that it makes sense? Um, we always have the right to leave any relationship we want at any time. It doesn't matter if there is something objectively bad going on. Like there are people who stay in relationships where someone is cheating on them. And there are people who leave because their partner won't help up with chores. So like what's, mm-hmm. what's a deal breaker for you is completely subjective. And other people doing bad things when you are at the effect of another person's choices like you can't control that like if someone Mm -hmm. cheats on you like you can't stop that you can't control that if someone physically harms you you're just at the effect of their choice like their free will and that they are exercising it the good news is you have free will too Mm -hmm. and the worst option is staying and saying, you need to change. You need to do things differently. You are not allowed to do this. Then we're like, we're staying in a situation we might not want to be in. And then we're expecting the other person to make that situation okay for us. Like, where Mm. is our power in that? So we need to realize, yeah, and it doesn't work. That's the worst part. Like it really, really doesn't work. So regardless of what's going on or if we want to stay or leave, understanding that it's not our job to manage our partners. They get to do whatever they want, whenever they want, but we do too. And Mm. we get to leave if we want to. And if we are not capable of leaving, if they're like physically stopping us, like that's a crime. Like we don't need to coach on that. That is a crime to actually restrain someone. And of course, if you are in an abusive relationship or something like that, it can be really scary and difficult to leave and all of that kind of stuff. And then there is help to get, like, that's not the coaching that I do either. Yeah, no, and I wasn't trying to like pin you. I just knew people when, when people think these things all the time. Yeah. Yeah. When you say like, you have control over what you think about the relationship. It's not like you, you don't get to control your partner. They can do whatever they want. They immediately go mm-hmm. to those scenarios because they're extreme, yeah, right? Like course. they're extreme. Yeah. And it's like, 
I love that you said they get to do whatever they want. You get to do whatever you want too. And I think we forget that. We see like they get to do everything. And it's like, yeah, but you do too. Because you're also Mm. a human being. You get to do whatever you want. You are about Mm. to leave. And Mm. I also think you, in the beginning, you brought up a really interesting point of people will come to you and their partner seems so lovely, but then they kind of realize maybe not. And something that has helped me when I've talked to people about their relationships is just, even if they decide not to leave that person, accepting that there are things with their partner that maybe aren't so lovely and just Mm -hmm. sitting with that truth before they decide to leave or stay. Mm. Because I think so often people just want to turn a blind eye because they think, oh, if I, if I admit that this is what's going on, Mm. then I have to do something. And yeah. that's not true. You can just admit it and leave it there too. You don't have to do anything. Yeah, about it. absolutely. That I talk to my clients. I mean, the ones, the majority, I would say like 95% of my clients love their partners, don't want to leave them, have really supportive, loving partners. Like this is not a common problem that I deal with, but the ones that are like questioning their relationship a little bit, they're so scared of looking at all their options looking at Mm -hmm. all the truth like my partner is really lovely but they can be an asshole too like they they really can like they Mm -hmm. this thing that they do it's not very nice like you might not want to be with someone who does that and we can talk about it and have an open conversation about it and see it for what it is you don't have to go and break up with them right after our call like you don't have to we get to explore things and then not act on them, but telling yourself the truth is going to improve your relationship with you. And that's what coaching is all about. Like, we just want to make sure that you get your back and it's really hard to have your own back when you're lying to yourself. Yeah, absolutely. It doesn't help anything. And just because the truth is out there doesn't mean you have to do anything about it. And hmm. yeah, it, I think it's like, it helps get your thoughts clear so that you can make the best decisions possible for your life whatever exactly. they are and as long also, as we're like go ahead no, uh, as long as we're like thinking that my partner is doing these things wrong and I need to change my partner I need to communicate my needs to my partner and tell them how they should be it's really hard to make empowered loving decisions about what we want for ourselves when we're constantly giving our power away to them so if we can just like take our power back and then give them their power back so all their choices decisions behaviors all their things give them back give it back to them and we own our stuff then we're like oh i have all my power in my hands and i get to choose what i want to do and it's so much easier to access like the future you want from that place and start making decisions that lead you towards that future. Because mm-hmm. sometimes we're like in relationships and we're like, I know my partner can be this person that I want. So I'm going to make sure they become them and then we can be happy <laughs> instead of being like, okay, this is what I want in a relationship. Is my partner that partner? Is my partner mm-hmm. the one who will do that with me or whatever? Then if that's not the case, we need to be honest about that too. It doesn't mean we yeah. have to leave right away. We can just like sit with that for a while. Absolutely. And you know, and you know who you are at that, at that point, you know, the truth of what you want. Also, I know that you didn't, you weren't saying this, but it, you said the word happy. And I just thought like a lot of people rely on their partners to make them happier. Or they think when they'll get to this point, then 
I'll be happy. How do you mm. navigate conversations like that? Or what, what do you tell people when they're like, if we could just get here, then I would be happy. Mm. What do you usually say? I mean, at this point, I know that that's never the case because even <laughs> when we explore it in our coaching conversations, I'm like, okay, let's say he did that thing. How would your brain use that against them? Like, how would mm. your brain dis discount that evidence of like why you should be happy because usually the brain is just like he's just doing that because you asked him to he doesn't really want to do that so even if your partner follows your rules and does everything flawlessly your brain you still have your underlying belief that they don't love you or that you're not worthy or that you're not good enough or that they're going to leave so no matter what your partner does your your brain is still going to be able to use that as evidence of your core belief Like that's, it doesn't matter what your partner does. And the same thing is true for what they're doing now. What they're doing now might be lovely, but you have no idea because you have this underlying belief that they're going to cheat on you and leave you. Right. No, that was brilliant. Especially the question you asked of like, how would your brain use it against you? And I, I see that so many times with my clients when they, they'll come to me and they're like, Mm. I didn't binge and purge like for the first time or like they had a week where everything was normal and they felt good and they're like yeah it was just you know it's a fluke it was because of these things mm. probably isn't gonna last blah 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 and it's like yeah whoa, 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 wait wait they did this or this happened why are you doing this you know and mm. so same thing with your your clients your partner does something nice and you immediately discount mm. it as oh they're mm. just doing this because of that it's just like so classic human behavior yeah. and it's so interesting to think Oh, those, the things that you're thinking right there, that can be kind of changed over time with the right amount of processing and thinking correctly. Mm. So I just, yeah, it's cool. I mean, all of these things, we really need to work on the underlying beliefs because all of the asking the partner to compensate for our underlying beliefs just doesn't work. It's just waste of everyone's time because if your partner like brings you flowers when you want flowers, you'll just be like, oh, he did something wrong. He probably already has cheated on me. Everything is awful. Or when my clients yeah. have a really good week and they're not grumpy and they actually feel happy, they're like, oh, I haven't felt jealous and angry this whole week. Does that mean that we're drifting apart and that we're not a good match and that we should break up? I'm like, wait, what? No, <laughs> that's not yeah. what it means. Do you find that some people get kind of, addicted to the like fights and the highs um and the like intense angry emotions addicted is the wrong word but you know what I mean yeah I I know what you mean and I I think not my clients don't not in on an intellectual level not where they can see that oh there's no drama I missed the drama but I do believe that our brains will always do whenever we're living on kind of autopilot subconscious, we're not being intentional. The brain will always do whatever it can to get back to the status quo, like get back to what we're used to. So if we're super used to the fighting and all that kind of stuff, and we're like, I guess this is a relationship. I guess this is normal. When we take that away, there is going to be discomfort happiness Mm. for grumpy girlfriends is one of the most uncomfortable things ever just enjoying Mm. your relationship is the hardest thing you'll ever do it's really uncomfortable and it's really hard and it's something we need to practice and be like it's safe for me to be happy right now it's safe for me to enjoy myself it's safe for me to not be mad it's really 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 hard so like 
want it's not that we want the drama it's just that that's what's familiar to us so that's Mm -hmm. why we kind of gravitate in that direction yeah positive emotions can be just as uncomfortable as Mm -hmm. um as as classically uncomfortable emotions classically bad emotions and it's Mm -hmm. because again like you said it's unfamiliar and it's just like feeling happy can sometimes be overwhelming like every time I look at my dog, who's the cutest little baby ever, and I just see him and I'm like overwhelmed with joy. And then I immediately go to like, what if I lose him? Mm. You know, what's going to happen if he dies? So it's like this mix of like love and pain at the same time. And, I and think, isn't that exactly what a relationship is? Yes. Because mm-hmm. you have something to lose, you know, and it's mm. like something you love so dearly. And if you, you know, it's vulnerable because if you were to lose that, something you care about, it's like mm. the classic movies where it's like I don't want to get too close to anyone because if I leave them but it's it's so true you know so thank you for explaining that I think that's Mm. that sums it up clearly okay to wrap things up what um what would be one thing you'd say to someone if you could give one piece of advice to them if they're struggling in their relationship that their partners are so lovely Hmm. well there's I guess the best advice is listen to my podcast (laughs) That would okay, be all yeah. encompassing because there's so Katrin's, much advice on there. <laughs> Katrin's podcast is the Grumpy Girlfriend podcast. It's excellent yeah. and very, very helpful. And you have a lot of good guests on there too. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the, the advice depends. It, it probably is like a day-to-day kind of thing. But right now what's on my mind is really just the, you can be right or you can be happy. And that is sometimes the absolute hardest pill to swallow for most people, because we would rather be right and miserable than happy and wrong. And if you are struggling in your relationship right now, it's a good relationship with a loving partner and you want to be happy, then there's, there are a lot of things you're going to have to be wrong about in order to be happy. Like you really have to see that, that everything you're right about right now has created what you have. And you have a lot of lovely things too. Like you have your partner and you have a lot of maybe your career or something else that's really lovely. So you're right about a lot of things too that have created amazing results for you. But where you see that I don't like these results, I don't like being a grumpy girlfriend, I don't like struggling with jealousy or insecurity, that means you're wrong about something. And exploring yeah. and being willing to be wrong in order to be happy is scary, but worth it. It's very, very good work to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was some very hard truths, but I completely agree. You can either be um, right and unhappy or happy and wrong. And mm. it takes a lot of courage to admit that you're wrong. I don't exactly mm. know why. I mean, I kind of do, but I mm. don't but I can relate to it strongly. Wanting to like die on that hill is such a primal thing as Mm. well. So thank Mm. you for saying that. Okay. I I want to point out also just quickly on that note that some, uh, when I say it like this, I think a lot of people can hear that. Okay. If I'm not okay with something in my relationship and that causes me pain, maybe I'm wrong about that and it should be lovely. Like I should be happy about it and everything should Mm -hmm. be fine. Sometimes the thing you're wrong about is who you've chosen to spend your life with. And that hurts too. Like sometimes the happiness is outside of the relationship and you're white knuckling being right about, this is my person. And I'm going to do everything in my power to make them my person. 
and I'm going to tell them what to do and how to act and what, how to be like, no, like sometimes that's causing you pain. Being right about that is causing you pain. And sometimes being right about like my partner should vacuum causes you pain. And you might want to be wrong about that. Like maybe your partner shouldn't vacuum. So both sides being right or being happy doesn't always mean you should stay. It just means that sometimes happiness is on the other side of having been wrong about something. No, you're right. Sometimes ending, like being out of a relationship can be the thing that will create, again, I don't want to say like happiness, but the peace that you're looking for, it's not always staying in the relationship that's the right thing and forcing Mm. something that can be the thing that you're wrong about. Totally right on that. Um, And I know a lot of people listening in on this podcast right now, probably like probably blown their minds first of all especially if they're struggling (laughs) but then secondly they're like oh god I have a lot of thinking to do now (laughs) so Mm. because it's it's kind of a taboo topic to like even dabble and question thoughts in your relationships so thank you for bringing that up and bringing that to attention Mm. and I'm I'm excited for people to listen to this where Mm. can people find you at if they want to know more um, my Instagram, Katrin Bant. I'm sure the spelling will be somewhere on this episode. <laughs> it's not something it's, it's people usually guess. It's B-E-R-N-D-T, right? Yes. And Katrin is just K-A-T-R-I-N. That can be hard for some people too. Um, so my Instagram or my podcast, like the Grumpy Girlfriend podcast. And I something I want to say about the podcast or just about my content in general is, and we've kind of touched on it, is it's safe to listen to. Like it's safe to explore this stuff. It can be your little secret and it doesn't mean you're going to break up with your partner. It doesn't mean you're going to stay with your partner. It doesn't mean anything. What I do on my podcast is just present you with all of your options and within that little bubble that we're in when you're listening We just explore everything, even the bad options. We explore those too, just so that Mm -hmm. you know that you have all these options available to you. And I show you like doing thought work here creates this result. Doing thought work here creates this result. And you are always in control. So I never tell you what to do. I never know what's best for you. I never tell you to stay or leave. And I think that's really important because I know that I was kind of scared of exploring this stuff when I was struggling because I thought someone would tell me to dump my partner and I really didn't want to. So that kind of Mm -hmm. made me scared to explore that. And I just want everyone to know that it's safe. It's safe to have these thoughts and think about things. It's only going to make you stronger and maybe even more committed in your relationship. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a, thank you for saying that because people do the same with my podcast. Like they don't Mm. even they don't want to know people to know that they're listening to it for other reasons, but they also mm. sometimes don't even want to explore it themselves because they don't yep. want to maybe face truths that, that are going on for them. Mm. And I, from personal experience, I know that th- the thoughts that I, the areas in life that I hear people talking about that I'm most shut off to, and I'm like, I don't want to go there right now. I know mm. that's not for me. Um, and I have a problem, like usually means that there's something there to be discovered. And like you said, you're not telling them what to do. You're just presenting you with here are things that could be helpful to you. So that's yeah. that's a brilliant way to phrase it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Thank you for being on the podcast. You have been thank lovely. You. And again, you've definitely stirred some, some brains today. So yeah, hopefully. I'm going in a better, I'm going in a better, I'm going in a better.